Open Field Radio. Like, subscribe, share, and review wherever podcasts are found. If I had to describe this, I'd say it's cool people having conversations about agriculture and life. Because ag and life live side by side and sometimes overlap. I'm your host, Mark Flint, and this is Open Field Radio. Brought to you by Gowan Company. Jim Travers, Duxbury, Massachusetts, contributing writer to U.S. News, Cars.com, and eBay. The history of the pickup. Old trucks, new trucks, cool trucks, and of course, farmers and their trucks. We talk it all right now. You are you are right on time. You said 3 o'clock, and 3 o'clock it is. <laughs> I don't want to waste your time, you know what I mean? How are things in Massachusetts today? Uh, things are slightly dreary in Massachusetts today. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's do this. Is there anything more unique, uniquely American than the pickup truck? In terms of vehicles, I think not. You know, it's it's kind of the quintessential American vehicle. And as, as you're probably aware, um, you know, the pickup Ford pickup, Ford F-150 has been not only the biggest selling pickup truck in America for about 30 years, it's been the best or longer, actually. It's been the biggest selling vehicle, period. People buy more pickups than they do cars and uh, the Chevy Silverado and, and Ram are right behind it uh, some of the biggest selling vehicles in the country are pickup trucks you know and and pickups have been you know part of farm life as long as you know vehicles have been rolling under their own power pretty much you know the the first real pickup or the first official pickup was a Ford Model T um, back in 1925 when okay. Ford uh, kind of got the things going. But even before that, uh, you know, as the story goes, Henry Ford himself, uh, it, much earlier, around 1912, 1914, had a Model T of his own on his farm that was converted for pickup use. Oh, how cool. Must have been one of those slap your forehead with your palm moments when uh, <laughs> 10 years later they developed one for... <laughs> Go figure, right? By which point, apparently, you know, dealers were selling all kinds of aftermarket pickup boxes for uh, Model T Fords, and um, and Ford just decided to make it official, and that kind of really got things going. So, in the early days of it, you could buy a Model T and then retrofit it yourself with a like a a bed box. Yeah, yeah, people did, and there are a bunch of small companies doing that sort of work, and uh, dealers would do conversions as well, yeah. Well, I, I read a thing that said the first, the early, the Model T pickups sold for the whopping price of $281 or something <laughs> like that. What drove the truck? Just industry in general? Was it built for the farmer, built for agriculture, that kind of thing? Or was it just something somebody went, this is handy, let's make some of these? Yeah, I, as as I understand it, it really was something that, uh, you know, it, it came out of the rural farm lifestyle. You know, I mean, it beat using a wheelbarrow. It was easier. Like any good interview, like any good story, there's a lot of moving parts to it. But the straight line in this thing is the pickup truck. Beginning to end, it's the truck. And you know what's cool? I reached out to Jim I found an article he had done when he wrote for Car and Driver magazine, The Illustrated History of the Pickup Truck. You can find it out there. Look it up yourself, and he'll talk about it here in a few minutes. But what you need to know about Jim is not only Car and Driver magazine, but Consumer Reports, U.S. News and World Report, Cars.com, and eBay. He's either writing or written for all of them, and his love is vehicles, motor vehicles, you name it. But he loves the farmer, 
and the pickup. Let's get back to Jim. Well, and in 1925, the rural life in America was much bigger or much more Absolutely. prevalent than it is now. So that would make sense. Absolutely. You know, and I mean, uh, the, a pickup was the first vehicle. That, well, I suppose a pickup still is the first vehicle a lot of people own. But <laughs> back in those days, it was it was it, you know, and that was the, the, the family vehicle, the go to church vehicle, the you name it vehicle. Um, but its utility on the farm was, was huge. It just revolutionized the labor. Part. Sure. It just made yeah. it easier to move gear around, move feet around, you know, tools, you name it. Well, and with did it evolve quickly? Well, the the pickup itself, well, it, it evolved quickly enough that, you know, by the 30s, I mean, Ford introduced the first one in uh, the mid-1920s. You know, by the 30s, there was competition from General Motors, from Chrysler, Studebaker, you name it. There were, you know, everybody was getting on the bandwagon. So, yes, in, in that sense, I guess it would say that, yeah, it evolved yeah, quickly. Move fast. And did the war, did World War II play into that at all? Well, you know, the, 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 the advent of the four-wheel drive pickup truck um, certainly had something to do with World War II. You know, that's kind of where that technology grew out of and then, and then gained wider acceptance in the civilian market. The original pickups were strictly rear-wheel drive, you know, conventional, um, really minimalist trucks. Nothing like we see today. They were very, you know... Uh, a couple of steps away from a tractor, really, you know, <laughs> basically a tractor with no a cab the, on it. No wonder the farmers love it so much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Far removed from the leather-lined, you know, uh, hushed, quiet, luxurious interiors we have today. Uh, yeah. You know, and then the, the, the four-wheel drive pickups, you know, kind of followed and made logical sense, not just on the farm, but everywhere else, uh, but particularly on the farm, because after all, driving off-road, you need uh, the extra traction and muddy conditions and everything else made it a heck of a lot easier to navigate the fields. Well, and I'm sure like anything, Ford comes up with it and they go, hey, we got ourselves a pickup truck. Call it what you want. It's a pickup truck. And of course, as you said, every manufacturer went, hey, wait a minute, <laughs> we need one of those. Yeah. And we're off and running. Exactly. Uh, exactly. And it didn't take long. You know, it doesn't take long for anybody to get on the bandwagon once there's a success in the automotive marketplace. And by the mid-30s, everybody was in the game. I'm looking right now online while we're talking. You did a fantastic piece, the illustrated history of the pickup for Car and Driver magazine. Yeah. And there's a bunch of great pictures here as I go through this. And the one that sticks out early, it's only the second picture in, but I've been through the whole thing. The one that jumps out at me early is this uh, Dodge Power Wagon. This thing right. looks like it could climb a mountain. <laughs> it pretty much could, you know. Um, that was like the predecessor of the sort of mean-looking pickup trucks that we get today. That was, a, uh, you know, nothing frilly about that truck. No, if they'd bring that back right now, they could quit. They could. It would be <laughs> it. Everybody would buy that truck just right now. I look at that and go, wow. But here's the thing. Dodge has the corner on the market, uh, regardless if it's true, false, whatever, strong and powerful, you think, the Dodge truck. They've sure. Just, they've just cornered that market. Is that the truth? Is everybody making big, strong trucks historically? Yeah. No, it's fair to say everybody's making big, strong trucks. I recently read that Ram, you know, which is what, of course, Dodge is branded as now, or at least their truck division, um, right. is the more popular pickup with farmers. 
than anybody else in spite of the huge popularity of Ford. Now, what that means in terms of numbers, I couldn't tell you, but, uh, you know, certainly Ram trucks are very capable. There's actually one in my driveway at the moment. Um, <laughs> test car. Oh, no way. Uh, yeah, so I'll absolutely say nice things about Ram with one in the driveway. You bet. Uh, and you it, bet. And it, it is quite the truck. Uh, it's their new TRX. Um, but everybody's trucks, you know, the, the, the capability has just gone right through the roof in the past couple of decades as we've all seen pickups get larger and larger. I mean, towing capacities and, and payload capacities, you know, I don't know who needs to actually tow their own house around. But um, <laughs> That's true, though. You You're know, right. these, these load limits of 30,000 pounds and stuff are, are just amazing. You know, there's a heck of a lot more capability in in today's pickup than probably most people are ever going to use. So as we were putting this whole show together, I thought it would be great to have a farmer's perspective on the truck, first-person perspective on the farm pickup truck. So I pick up the phone and call John Dinsmore, Dinsmore Farms, Yuma, Arizona. He was our very first guest on Open Field Radio. And you know what John loves? He loves trucks. He loves to talk about trucks. Man, he can talk about trucks. You know, to have a pickup on the farm... It's got to be versatile. Uh, we've got to be able to have the bed space to be able to put our shovels and bales of hay and, and uh, air compressors and fuel tanks and all the other various parts that will inevitably break throughout the day. Having a truck that's got enough power to be able to hook up to a trailer and get it across the valley when you need the uh, horsepower, definitely having the options of a four-wheel drive. A lot of us out here in the valley are probably putting twenty-five to 35,000 miles a year on our pickups at least probably 75% off-road. So definitely having a truck that's able to get us where we need to be and get the tools where they need to be, that's vital. I told you he could talk about trucks. The early trucks, looking at these pictures as we're talking here, because this is a ton of fun. If you're interested in seeing this, by the way, for the listener, carandriver.com, just just search the illustrated history of the pickup. You'll find it. There's a lot of great pictures here. But I, I imagine the original trucks weren't necessarily... Were they just a, a Model T with a bed on it? So they really weren't any stronger, more or less, than buying a Model T? That was exactly what they were. Yeah, it was a Model T with a pickup bed on it and, uh, you know, minimal other modifications, at least initially. Sure. And nowadays, it's a, to a totally different animal, of course, than your sedan or your SUV or your anything else. Oh, sure. There are still, you know, um, you know, in, in more recent times, there have been plenty of car-based pickups, you know, like the El Caminos of the 60s and, right. and such. Chevy right. El Camino. Those are popular. Ford, those are popular. Ford Ranchero. Those still have quite the strong following. But yes, today's pickups are, are completely removed from the their car counterparts and uh, with full frames and just a lot more capability, even in the basic models. Outside the farmer... And maybe the the industrial person who needs that much strength in a vehicle. Not discounting it. I'm not saying it's not important. Mm -hmm. I'm not mm -hmm. saying it wouldn't be cool just to have it in my driveway, ram in your driveway. Um, but at the same time, that's a lot of vehicle. Yeah, you know, and, and uh, who am I to judge if, right. if uh, somebody needs 2,000 pounds of uh, carrying capacity <laughs> to go to the grocery store for the week's supplies? God you know, bless them. God bless them. God em. bless them. <laughs> Eat up. Every, you know, have seconds. Um, 
Well, the truck the truck started at one size, and then in mid last century, vehicles in general got smaller. Yeah, vehicles got smaller. Pickups kind of countered that trend, though. You know, um, that's an interesting point because pickups continued to, even while cars were downsizing, pickups kind of continued to grow through the seventies, eighties, nineties. Each you know succeeding generation um, was a bit larger and a bit more capable. Uh, or a lot larger and a lot more capable. And, you know, that that's a combination of factors. It was a combination, I think, of the manufacturers just uh, answering consumer demand, um, but also playing a certain amount of, you know, one-upmanship with one another that still goes on. You're listening to Open Field Radio. If you haven't heard it, it's new to you, right? Gowan USA has a broad selection of herbicides, fungicides, and insecticides to deliver customized solutions for your crops. Gowan provides the right programs to fit your unique needs, standing behind our products with expert service and support. And Gowan USA is family-owned and operated right here in the United States of America for over 55 years. That's a long time. Check it out for yourself at GowanCo.com. And now you know. I want to hear from you. Yep, and not just an email. Though emails are cool, and of course this will involve an email too, but it'll be a cool email. Because here's what I need you to do. Grab your phone, find the voice app. You know the little memo app in your phone that nobody uses for much of anything? We're going to use it. I want you to give me your name, where you're from, what you do, and that you listen to Open Field Radio. So it would go like this. I'm Mark, Yuma, Arizona, host of Open Field Radio, and I listen to Open Field Radio. Got it? Just Fill in the blanks with your information. Shoot it off to me in an email, info at openfieldradio.com. I just might use it on the air. And if I do, I'll send you something cool. How's that? Because that's what friends do at Open Field Radio. This is Marsh McTari. Marsh McTari, co-founder of Gray Whale Gin, Season 1, Episode 7. And you're listening to Open Field Radio. When, when did the pickup shift from strictly utility to, hmm, I won't say family-oriented, but at the same time, there was obviously flexibility in it. It wasn't looked at as just the work vehicle. Yeah, pickups, I think, you know, more than cars, they've always been kind of a a more expressive, uh, you know, vehicle people would identify with and felt more of a bond with than necessarily an everyday sedan. And and I think it was the 50s, or it was the 50s, where we really started to see the evolution into being more car-like and, and more fancy and more accepting, uh, more, more pickups finding homes and driveways of, of homeowners or individuals rather than farm and commercial use. The Chevy Cameo Carrier was the first of the sort of sleek sided pickups that didn't have the, you know, the exposed rear fenders, Uh traditional designs. And, uh, you know, those were an interesting one, too, because when Chevy brought that out or then its GMC counterpart, the Suburban, um, they weren't necessarily sure that it was going to be a success so much so that the the smooth fenders on those were actually just covering the old-fashioned exposed fenders it was all fiberglass it was mounted on top of it it just took me a whole nother place here so without the let's be (laughs) honest without the pickup truck because you mentioned the suburban right there without the pickup truck we wouldn't have the utility and sport utility vehicles we have today would we (laughs) 
well, the, the two are intertwined. And just to be clear, when I mentioned the, the GMC Suburban, that was a pickup truck. Um, okay. As opposed to the Chevy and GMC Suburban SUV that we see today. Okay. The, the Suburban GMC of the 50s was actually a pickup and, and very, very small production numbers. I mean, we're talking in the hundreds. And that was GMC's first smooth rear fendered version, like the Chevy Cameo, if you follow me. Sure, sure. I'm looking at the Cameo right now, and uh, yeah. it's, it's a beautiful truck. Very, a very suburbia. Yeah, you know, and it had a little more chrome. It had all kinds of decadent luxury features, like uh, sun visors, you know, um, <laughs> that <Right>. just weren't, <laughs> uh, you know. How decadent, how decadent. Yeah, how decadent, you know, and uh and wheel covers and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, that was clearly meant to appeal to a buyer who wanted a little bit more than the strict utility. And they carried about a 20% price premium over the conventional Chevy wow. trucks wow. at the time. But they were enough of a success that obviously it led to, they led to the more modern trucks that we see today by the early 60s. Um, the big three were all making smooth uh, fendered, you know, rear fendered trucks, fleet side type designs, if you will. And uh, from there on in, you know, it just became more and more options and fancier interiors. And by the 70s, we started seeing more acceptance of the four-door designs that were more like family cars. John Dinsmore. Having a crew cab now, seeing so many of the farm trucks being crew cabs, four doors, having the space to be able to move our employees around more safely and is a really good option to have on the truck. So while horsepower is really important, fuel consumption matters, a lot of, a lot of moving variables to the truck. Most pickups sold today are four-door models that uh, kind of emphasize passenger comfort at least as much as they do cargo capacity. I think you're, I think you're right. I think to even see a two-door pickup in this day and age is an oddity. It's, it's yeah, very unusual. Well, not very unusual, I shouldn't say that, uh, but, but not nearly as many as you used to see. And primarily, those, those two-door pickups are really just for commercial use and utilities, utility companies and stuff like that, you know. The great majority of pickups sold today on and off the farm are four-door models. You know, the four-door model that always sticks in my head is that one from, it's a Ford for me. It's a Ford, that mid-70s Ford crew cab, four-wheel drive thing that everybody had a camper on mm -hmm. or something. It, it, it didn't look like fun. It didn't look like it rode like fun, but it looked like it would get you anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I, I'm kind of a fan of those older trucks that kind of have that no compromise look, or like <laughs> the cool. you know the Dodge Power Wagon you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. you know, th those are all really cool trucks. Nothing against today's trucks. I mean, today's are very nice, and at the end of the day, at least as capable as the older ones. Uh, you know, more so. But uh, yeah, you gotta like the look of the older ones. <laughs> you were talking about. Let's go back to the Cameo for a minute because I have the photo right in front of me. And it's interesting that the marketing of this, it's a beautiful truck. And by today's standards, we'd all kill for this truck, too. But the guy in the truck's in a suit and tie. Right. And you can, right. See, you can see the evolution of the marketing towards it and obviously where they want it to go just from there. Exactly. You know, they didn't pose that picture in a muddy field somewhere or right. climbing the side of a mountain. That, that was clearly marketed at uh, 
a non-traditional pickup buyer. America's building the pickup. When did the rest of the world jump into the pickup race? The adoption was not as quick in other parts of the world. Um, certainly the the Japanese companies started the whole small pickup craze or what we consider a small pickup, sure. you know, when uh, I think it was Datsun, which is now Nissan, was the first one in like 1959 to come to the U.S., and those were particularly popular on the West Coast, which, of course, you know, uh, California has always kind of led the way in the fashion trends on four wheels. <laughs> and, um, and and Toyota soon followed. Um, you know, we never really saw a lot of pickup trucks from the European manufacturers over the years. It was really more of a, a, a peculiarly, uh, specifically American <laughs> thing. <laughs> Good. I like that. You know, and it's funny because you think about it. I'm trying to think of a European company that made a pickup. What? Volkswagen? Yeah, Volkswagen made the Transporter for sure and some other ones. Uh, you that know, may be yeah. it. I don't know. I mean, you know, there's a Morris Minor pickup. There okay. were various variants, uh, you know, British and Italian and stuff, but none that really kind of had the numbers, um, certainly not the numbers in the States, you know, that that uh, the traditional pickups had. It really wasn't until the, the Japanese pickup trucks arrived in the U.S. in the late 50s, early 60s that those that size, the idea of a smaller truck took hold in th this country and then continued, of course, to the point where, you know, by uh, the late 60s, 70s, um, Ford and GM, Chevy were all making small pickups or if they started by importing their own, you know, uh, Japanese import trucks and then started making them here. Is that like the little Chevy Love and those kind of things? Yeah, the Chevy Love was uh, was an import. What about other players in the game, Jeep or International, any of those guys? Were they in the game early? Oh, yeah, they were in the game early. Um, International, for sure, was in you know making pickups by the 30s. And then the success of Jeep really started with World War II. You know, mm -hmm. um, GIs got fond of Jeeps because, of course, <laughs> they're incredible utility yes. in, in the war effort. And... Uh, that led to acceptance among private buyers after the war, and Jeep uh, made their own pickups and now has recently gotten back into the pickup biz. But in, in I want to say, the late 40s, early 50s, Jeep was making conventional pickups that looked much like a regular uh, CJ Jeep, but with a pickup bed on it. Well, I think, with, I think with the evolution of the pickup and at the time, let's go back to, say, post-World War II, but yeah, mid-50s probably, suburbia is growing. Along with that, comes, you know, vacations are different than they used to be, all those kind of things in the mindset of that as we moved forward. So you've got a boat, you've got a camper, you've got the family, all those kind of things really play into moving the pickup truck into a more family vehicle. Still utility, but obviously everybody can jump in and have a good time. No, I think you're absolutely right. Americans had more time for leisure in the 50s and 60s and uh, started buying those toys and even second homes and, you know, traveling more for ski vacations, you name it, this, that, and the other thing, boats, campers. And absolutely all that helped drive both the increase in popularity with pickups and the increased availability of more comfortable pickups with more, you know, uh, more of the 
options that people were looking for that they were used to in their cars, like better stereo systems and climate control and nicer interiors, leather seats, all that good stuff. So you know how things are when you get a good idea and you just keep running with it, right? Good, bad, or otherwise. Come on, let's be honest. So I got on the phone, another guy, Glenn Foster, happens to be the Pacific Northwest's regional sales manager for Gowan. He loves trucks. He got a bunch of truck stories, but this one fits right now. My wife's Tundra is freaking, you know, I mean, it's brown leather. I mean, it's like the King Ranch Ford, right? It's, I mean, I'd rather ride in that than a lot of cars. You know, so many of us, we, I mean, we snowmobile, we ride side by side, we water ski, or we pull our jet boats for fishing or, or drift, drift boats for fishing. So we're always pulling something, right, on a, on a personal side. I would say three or four of us have two trucks. Now back to Jim. Yeah, remember when air conditioning was an option? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, right. it, and remember when it was an option that actually warranted a little sticker on the window of the car so that everybody <laughs> knew you had air conditioning. If it wasn't already That's obvious by so the fact cool. you were driving around with your windows rolled up. <laughs> the only yeah. guy in town with your windows up. Right. When, when did luxury, by today's standards now, yeah. when, did, when did this become, you, you go, oh, and you're being in the, you know, writing about cars forever and loving cars and vehicles forever. When do you see that evolution of luxury really becoming a focal point for the American pickup truck? It was such a gradual evolution. It's hard to really draw a line in the sand and say, okay, here is where we had the first luxury pickups. You know, that just the manufacturers just just kept adding uh, more and more features. But I would say that you know it was really the 80s, 90s, maybe where things started really getting cranked up or ratcheted up, and then. Even Lincoln and Cadillac got into the pickup business, you know, around the late 90s, early 2000s. Neither one still makes a pickup because, uh, you know, I guess the marketplace kind of decided that one. Um, and, <laughs> and, and, you know, the, the, the certainly today's trucks from Ford, from Chevy, from Ram, the interiors are at least as luxurious as the ones that were available when Cadillac and Lincoln branded pickup trucks. Lincoln in particular may have been just a little bit extreme with their Blackwood. As I recall, that had a carpeted bed, which would be kind of a you know mixed blessing um, <laughs> at best. You know, 2020 was a unique year all the way around. I really don't like to talk about it much or even dwell on it. But once in a while, a story comes out of it like this one from Glenn on how the ag industry, man, these guys are just continually innovating, using their trucks to keep things moving forward. Check it out. You know, we can get out if we're outside and we can see customers on a one-on-one -on -one basis, right? So they were reluctant at first, and so we couldn't go into the offices. But what we did is we just bought Subway sandwiches or we'd go get a burrito and we'd back our two pickups, you know, the tailgates back up to each other, <laughs> you know, one guy, you know, two guys, like two gallon guys are sitting on the back of one tailgate and two other, you know, nutrient guys are sitting on the back of the other tailgate. And, you know, you're trying to keep six, seven feet apart and we just eat lunch and, and we go over everything. Right. And that's kind of how it went for, I would say for a couple months, Mark, you know what I mean? And a fair bit in the summer. That's, you know, guys were just sitting on tailgate and that was your meeting sitting outside. Coast to coast and around the world. You're listening to Open Field Radio. We keep our boots muddy and our ears tuned to the thorny challenges of agriculture. That just sounds cool, doesn't it? Because it's the truth. The Gowan Group is a global family-owned agriculture solution business headquartered in Yuma, Arizona. 
Gowan specializes in developing, marketing, and processing agricultural inputs such as crop protection products, seeds, and fertilizers. Gowan has grown markets in the majority of the agricultural regions globally. A deep respect for science and a passion for agriculture drives Gowan Company to help growers solve their critical pest and plant health issues. Let's say it together. Gowan Company. Cool people having conversations about agriculture and life. Open Field Radio. And now back to Open Field Radio with our guest, former Buyer's Guide editor for Car and Driver magazine, Jim Travers. What is your favorite pickup? What's your favorite era? Era, I would have to say probably the 60s, you know, because that's just what I grew up looking at, you know. Um, I like the style of 60s vehicles. and I, I kind of like the size. I, you know, this is risky territory for me to speak out loud about. Okay. But you know, if anything, I don't necessarily need a pickup truck as capable as the ones that you know uh, we've got today. Um, nor do I need the size. But that's just me. You know, I mean, I, I, I love the pickups that are available today. You know, um, I had one and I won't mention the manufacturer, but I had one about, uh, four or five weeks ago for a week that you had to really, I'm six foot two. And to get into the cab of this truck, uh, it, a, a step stool would be handy even wow. for me, you know, um, and it didn't have any running boards because the idea is that it's an off-road type truck, but you know, to each their own. I, I won't say that I didn't enjoy having that truck and the <laughs> visibility was great. <laughs> I'm sure it was. <laughs> when we first corresponded, you told me about buying a truck, uh, an old farm truck. Yeah. yeah. Well, as soon as you reached out to me, you know, and you talked about the connection between farming and trucks, it it reminded me of a truck that I bought uh, from a farmer um, in Vermont. Uh, And it was a relatively low mile truck. It was a 79 Chevy. And it was, uh, this was probably in the mid late 80s, I bought this truck because I'm going to age myself here. But it looked great. You know, it did the famous 20 foot test. It looked great at 20 feet, you know, Um, and it was it was your basic work truck. It was a Chevy fleet side with a long bed and just a single cab uh, rubber mats on the floors. You know, it had a radio and power steering and an automatic transmission. I think those were the only options. And I mean, it was a great truck for our needs. We had a little boat. It pulled that great. It was great for going to the dump and doing home renovations and stuff like that. But I'll tell you, this truck, in spite of the fact that it looked pretty good and had relatively low miles, this was clearly a truck that it had a rough life on the farm. (laughs) As I think most of them do on the farm. As I think a lot of them do. Yeah. You know, people can mistake them for their tractors uh, sometimes. And this thing had been worked hard and was kind of tired. And being in Vermont, it also had a certain amount of rust. It may have looked fine from a distance, but uh, there was a lot going on underneath. And uh, <laughs> one day I was driving this truck along on a two-lane highway, and I heard this sort of kachunk at about 55 miles an hour. Uh-oh. And I look in the rearview mirror, and one of the leaves from one of the rear springs is kind of pirouetting down the road following me. <laughs> That's not a good uh, sign. That's not a good sign. That's never, never a good sign. You know, I kind of was wondering what was going to pop off next, you know. (laughs) Just keep going. Don't slow down. Whatever you do, just get to where you got to (laughs) be. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What is, any idea what the most popular pickup truck in history is? Is there one out there that everybody, everybody loves? 
Well, I mean, you know, the F-150 is the most popular nameplate, uh, still is and has been for many, many years. I mean, in terms of an all-time uh, cult classic favorite, I think that would depend a lot on who you talk to, you know, because pickup truck buyers tend to be a loyal bunch with whatever brand they're attached to, you Isn't know. You, you know, you've got your Chevy guys, you got your Dodge guys or people, you got your Ford people and and they're never loyalists. between shall meet and they're loyalists. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. so, uh, you know, I, I don't know that it's fair to say or possible to say that there's a favorite for everybody. Well, as I'm looking through these pictures again on the website, um, I, I, I see the Subaru Brat, which I, I, I go, that was a truck, but I guess it was. And some of the other oddities in the pickup truck world that I think we forget about. There's the little Volkswagen one that was the, uh, like the VW Rabbit with a bed. The Rabbit, yep, yeah, the Rabbit pickup. I thought that was a cool truck actually back in its day. I won't tell anybody no. that, but I did. That was a cool little <laughs> truck. But what about, the, what about the flat front trucks? The Ford and the Dodge and the, yeah, the, uh, the, Chevy, Ford, the Chevy one too. Yeah, forward control. Actually, Chevy had a couple of them. The the Corvair was their first one, right? Which was based on the rear engine Chevy Corvair sedan, and uh, that had just like the regular Corvair. It had the engine in the back, and um, you know, it had a sort of cool side tailgate because the front part of the bed was uh, actually lower than the rear part of the bed because, of course, the rear part. Um, like a VW Transporter, had an engine underneath it. So they had a side gate that was like the tailgate for getting in lower stuff. And uh, those are quite collectible these days. If you could could find one of those now, I'm sure they're around, but you don't don't see them. No, you don't see a lot of them at all, but they are still out there. And and, uh, Dodge had their own version of a, a forward truck which was kind of like one of their vans as was the ford and the later version of the chevy forward one they were all based on van designs and basically looked like a van to behind the front door and then they had a pickup bed what were those mid mid 60s yeah uh 63 64 65 right around there um was when they they came out and they were you know they were kind of successful because they were more maneuverable maybe than a conventional pickup you know and the, the same bed length with a shorter overall length that kind of had an advantage but they weren't uh, you know they tended to also be kind of front and top heavy with nothing in the back the oh. handling could be a little squirrely but <laughs> that's true but you know they always remind me of like the uh you know the washing re- washing machine repairman would show up in one of those you know what I mean? that yeah kind of, right that kind of guy would show up with a little toolbox and some things to get it done get the dishwasher working or whatever yeah the hardware store in my town had <laughs> exactly. one growing up you're not hauling a bunch but you just got yeah. some space and it works in traffic. There was a guy who in the mid-60s uh, took one of those Dodge A100s and uh, put a Hemi engine in it backwards and used to go down drag strips backwards doing a wheelie. Oh, my god! you remember that one? I, I don't remember that one. I'm going to look that up now. I don't remember that one, but that's super cool. I'm here in Yuma, Arizona, and it's ag. there's agriculture everywhere here. And so that means there's pickup trucks everywhere because American farmer loves a pickup truck. They can get in, get out, get anywhere they need to, or drive long distance in it. In this day and age, those things will keep it nice and comfortable, and down the road you go. Do you see any change in that where the farmer is concerned? 
No, I really don't. You know, uh, there are certainly some electric pickups now coming out. You know, I think that's going to be the next change that we see as it is in a lot of the automotive scene, not just from sort of uh, lesser known manufacturers. You know, GM is bringing back the Hummer brand as a uh, electric pickup. I saw the ad for that. When did they run the ad for that thing? I saw it and it's like, what on earth is this? The electric truck is a, is a real deal. It is a real deal, and it you know it it's it's coming uh, as much the same as electrics are becoming more popular for cars as well as you know the range increases that and uh, you know the less times needed to charge it will certainly matter to people on farms as much as uh, the rest of the world you know I mean that that has been kind of the big thing slowing down the acceptance rate of electric vehicles in general is the lack of range and the, the amount of time spent charging. But as those two things are addressed, along with prices coming down, certainly the capability is there. Again, it won't be for everybody, but uh, it is probably the next evolution that we're going to see or the next variant available to farmers. One more from John Dinsmore. I'd say just having a pickup that you can make yours, I don't know, it's special. Not to sound silly about it, but you look out across our farm community and so many of the trucks have just a slight change to it to just express that that is that's their vehicle. Whether it's just a front license plate that says Arizona Grown on it or, or Yuma Grown from a local store called Dandy. Whether it's got your uh, university you attended sticker on the back window or uh, my truck has <laughs> typically people know me for having a lot of lights on my truck when we're bailing hay at night. That has come in handy. You got to have fun doing what you're doing and being able to wake up and jump into a, to a vehicle that you enjoy driving while getting to go about your day is that's an added benefit for sure. American farmer right there getting it done. Got to love it. You're reminding me of the most fun I've had in a pickup truck lately. If I could share that with sure, you. Sure. Uh, absolutely. Last, last winter, uh, I was invited to uh, participate in a winter driving school uh, with, by Ford truck. And uh, I had the opportunity to drive a Ford Raptor on snow-covered and ice-covered, uh, basically ski slopes at a rally school. Oh, my gosh. And a closed course. And, boy, you want to talk about fun. Um, <laughs> now, I, I, I could be like a grown-up and say that I learned a lot about skid control and, and power <laughs> control. And, uh, you know, these are good things to know about driving in hazardous conditions. <laughs> <laughs> That's very very grown up of you. Very grown up of you. Thank you, thank you. I can play the part if I have to. And uh, <laughs> but it was just it was just a hoot. Just getting completely sideways and having all kinds of snow stuff. And great photo ops and the whole bit. And and I'm proud to say that I did not break the truck or hurt anybody. <laughs> but you got no. some great photos out of it. <laughs> <laughs> some great photos. What an opportunity, once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing. Well, maybe for me, maybe not for you. I don't know, but for me, that well, you know, I, and, and I mean, even the fun part, notwithstanding, it was an interesting opportunity to just see how good you know a modern truck can be in deep snow and all of that, which is you know a, a lot of these trucks with all the incredible capability. Uh, most of us don't get an opportunity to you know really see what they can do in those kinds of conditions, and uh, that was an opportunity for me to really see just how good this truck is. (laughs) Well, let's go there for a minute. You've got, you know, uh, we'll take it back to our farmer friends. They're out in the deepest of the deep everything. What what, What did you experience 
with that truck that impressed you so much about its capability in deep snow, or would that be deep mud or dirt or anything else? You know, what was the most in- impressive thing about it was just how easy it is. You know, back in the day, even if you wanted to get into a muddy field or whatever, you had to get out of the truck and do the manual hubs and, you mm-hmm. know, manual engage four-wheel drive and all of that. And with today's trucks, you just drive, and it takes care of all. It does it all. Yeah, you know, um, it it makes it easy to 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 do the work or to have the fun off road. That's so cool. I remember as a kid, my dad had a '72 International Travel All, so that was like mm. you know the suburban, but even bigger. It was huge. Yeah, but that yeah. thing, the same thing. You had to get out and lock the hubs if you were going to do anything in it, and if you weren't careful, in its low of low gears. It'll get you out of anything or dig a hole straight down. Right. You know, and then <laughs> yeah. you were in trouble. You know, it was, a, it was a crazy mess, but you're right. Things have changed. Yeah, they have. And, you know, it, it, the drive systems have changed. The tires have improved everything, you know, the whole nine yards. Besides the electric part of vehicles in this day and age, let's look at the truck and take the electric truck out of the out of the equation mm-hmm. for now. What are are the features you're seeing coming up on any brand that impress you the most? You know, in addition to the increased capability, um, fuel economy has improved a lot, and that's something that uh, can appeal to just about any user and you know save money over the course of time. I mean, you've got full-size trucks with diesel engines, you know, knocking on 30 miles per gallon on the highway, which is pretty phenomenal for a vehicle that size, you know. And even gas engines getting into the 20 MPG, 20-plus range, you know, when not all that long ago to get, you know, 12 or 13 MPG was about all you could expect, you know, and and there's a lot of attention paid to fuel economy in cars, um, but you're looking at a substantial savings if you can get from 12 or 14 MPG up to 20 or 22 even. My dad has a truck and he's had a truck forever. And he's one of those guys that he'll tell you, you know, I went from here to Phoenix and I got this many miles to the gallon and he's always right. trying to, he's always trying to beat it. So anytime he can find a vehicle, particularly a truck that gets that good mileage, he's all over that. And you know, what, what makes it all the more remarkable is that uh, again, this is with no loss of performance or capability. You know, the trucks that are turning in that kind of mileage today, are faster and more capable than the the 60s trucks that I like so much, you know, in addition to getting better fuel economy. Well, none of them look as cool as that Chevy Cameo from 1955. No, no. (laughs) That's a pretty good-looking truck. That is a very cool-looking truck and a rare bird. Enjoy your pickups and, and drive safely. You've been listening to Open Field Radio from Gowan Company. Like, share, subscribe, review. Everywhere podcasts are found. The views and opinions expressed by the guests of Open Field Radio are theirs and do not necessarily reflect those of the program. All rights reserved, no duplication or redistribution without permission. 